Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention, I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash StarTalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash StarTalk today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Welcome to Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, or at least. That's what I think I am. Maybe you have other you got other main squeeze astrophysicists. I don't know. I got Chuck Nice in studio with me, Chuck. Hey, Neil. Always great to have you back. This Always is this is part two of the interview we started earlier with uh, science journalism. That's right. And 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 you now knows one science journalist. Yes, and his I do. name is Miles O'Brien. There you go. <laughs> Who I like to call Ballsy O'Brien. Ballsy O'Brien because right. he majored in history. Majored in history. Busted into the CNN offices many years ago. Said, "I want to be your." science journalist and didn't know anything about science <laughs> pulled it off that's right pulled it off really that is chutzpah baby really well well i caught up with him with my uh roving micro i mean i couldn't I, I i saw him in washington i mean we're friends from way back i saw him in washington so i want to get him on star talk and we didn't have time or schedule to fly him back here to new york i got him on the spot and so we ducked for cover in this flood conduit <laughs> <laughs> We'll call this conduit acoustics. And underpass. <laughs> and underpass. We're at a highway underpass. Yeah, what's the, where's the quietest place in this intersection? <laughs> <laughs> so, so in this interview, I, I asked him about many things, of course, but just accuracy in journalism. Mm -hmm. Do you people care that you're accurate? This, I'm ready to slap the man. Right, let, let's find out what he, what he says. Tell me about accuracy in journalism. Such a quaint notion. Me <laughs> 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 lad. How old-fashioned. Oh, I remember the times when we actually had facts and checked them. So I've yes, spoken with journalists yeah. who, because of some journalistic ethos, they would not show me the text they were writing that came out of the interview that we conducted out of some premise that they worried that I might influence it. Then I said, well, do you care about being right? Right. And they say, oh, yes, above all else. And I said, well, if I don't see it, how do I know you interpreted it right? And now there's a chance you'll be wrong. Right. So what's your bigger ethos? Being right or having the person you just interviewed take a look at what you just created? I always err on the side of being right. But I, I'm not the average journalist. There is an old-fashioned notion that if you show people your copy in advance... Somehow, some way, they will either try to get it blocked or will try to manage you in such a way that they change it. Well, if they're managing you in such a way that they change it to make it more accurate, that is actually a good thing. <laughs> Reporters have got to get over this stubborn sense of, that's what I heard, God darn it, I know that's what I heard. We're all human beings, and we all misinterpret, and especially in the line of work I do, where it's very complicated at times, and I'm the history major. I will surrender every time to concerns about that. I generally don't send an email with my script, but I'll go through it. 
if I said this, is that right? Or I'll send a little passage that I'm stuck on. I've written it this way. Does this make any sense? And it almost always works out to the better. But there is a whole journalistic convention that this flies in the face of, and I suspect I'll hear from people who say you're a Satan of a journalist for doing that. <laughs> but you know what? Think about how scientists go through peer review. Oh, that's, right? that's, that's all it is. I really started thinking about this journalistic notion of these sacred words, which must be published, and everybody sees it at the same time, including your sources, when I started really fully understanding what peer review was all about and how that does a lot to keep integrity in science, I think journalists would be wise to embrace this. Peer review journalism. That sounds Interesting good. concept. I, I like it. but Because they can be so tight about, you know, I wrote it, this is the truth, this is what it, it will be. And right. people, and sometimes they can define a truth that isn't true. But everyone reads it, and it's in print, or the, it's it's journalistic, and so therefore it must be true. Right. And so, but nowadays, you know what I have? I, I got my like my Twitter stream. If somebody says something that's not true, I just say, nope, they messed that up. Right. And then I, now I can come back at it, right? But there was a day you couldn't even do that. No, absolutely. Right, right, right. But, you know, <laughs> accuracy in journalism, that leads to, what's the what's this phrase? Is it fair and balanced? <laughs> I had to ask Miles, what's this fair and balanced movement that we've been hearing about? Let's check it out. Some stories have one side that is represented by, say, 95% of the scientific community of the world. Is it fair in a story about climate change, which I'm obviously talking about, to do this classic journalistic convention of equal time for both sides? This is a huge mistake, I think, for journalists. First, we get 95% and then... There's the five percent. So you get a person from that five percent. Right. Now it gets fifty percent of your time. Is that serving the truth? I would submit to you not. As a matter of fact, that is feeding obfuscation. That is actually perpetuating a myth. Dare I say a lie? And so for journalists who are hung up on this idea of well, we got to go out and get the guy from the Cato Institute to balance out all this global warming stuff. I fought long and hard. I did an hour-long documentary for CNN back in the mid '90s, and. It was about 90-10, basically saying the scientific jury is in here. That was the word I used. It's not out. It's in. Yeah. Yeah. It's in. It's in. There's no more scientific debate. There's a political debate. There's a debate over money, over how we should spend it, what we should do. But there's no scientific debate. Okay? Let's just get over that. And this caused a – remember, I'm talking to these science-phobic poli-sci guys in the newsroom who don't really follow this the way we do. And they thought it was just a a journalistic aberration. How could you write a piece this way? Where's the other side? And I started sending them papers. And I started going through things and trying to explain to them where the science really was and where the peer-reviewed science was, where the fossil fuel industry, and I'm using the finger quotes, science was at the time. And I managed to convince them. It didn't end up 90-10 but I got to probably about 75-25, which I considered a victory at the time because that was big for them. It was hard for them to wrap their heads around this. This was not journalism in their view. This was advocacy. But I managed to at least move the needle and get them to the idea that doing 50-50 on this is not accurate. You know, you have to fight that battle. It requires doing your homework, and understanding a lot of nuance, and those are two things that TV reporters do very little of. <laughs> so he's totally, totally getting on the case of all his colleagues. I wonder yeah. how they, what they think of him. Well, you know what? I'm so glad to hear somebody actually say this, because that 50-50 argument is stupid. It's like four out of five dentists recommend brushing. The fifth dentist, he actually works for the National Sugar Council. <laughs> you know, come on. Let's, you know, do some homework and find out who are these scientists that are saying that this isn't the case. Right, 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 right. And so so this this concept of fair and balance implies that everything is a 50-50 or even that there are always two sides to a story. There could be three, four, or five, or six. Right. Right. So so it's it's an odd ethos that they've put themselves in. I think maybe it's because journalists historically would report on politics and religion and all right. these other social cultural factors where you always had warring factions and so you got to give everybody time. Exactly. You know. When we come back, more of my interview with Miles O'Brien. We're back on Star Talk Radio. Chuck Nice right here with me. Hey. 
at Chuck Nice Comic. That is correct. Cool. So, so Chuck, we're talking about science journalism. You know, and do, do they do it right? Do they do it bad? I got my interview with Miles O'Brien. I caught up with him in Washington. Miles O'Brien, the leading science journalist of our times. And the only one that I know. <laughs> you got to get out more, man. I, I, do. I don't know where you hang out, but we, we, we'll, we got to work on you. I'll give you a list of places to visit and shows to watch. <laughs> uh, I always wondered, you know, in the old days, you would send your story back in via tele telegraph or something, Correct. you know, they're invading over the border. Stop. Right. You know, and they're coming. It's beginning to rain. Stop. Stop. Right. And so now obviously everything is instant and, and it's, I'm, I've always been intrigued by all the ways technology has affected science reporting or reporting in general. And so yes. I asked him about it because he's old enough to have been there in the old days and then in the new days. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> Mr. Newsreel. <laughs> that was your first job back in 1938. <laughs> you were a newsreel reporter. That's right. <laughs> so let's find let's get Miles' reflections on this topic. Go. CNN was chicken noodle news until which night? Do you recall? Oh, yeah, of course. Night? Well, it was Gulf War. Thank you. The first Gulf War. And if you really think about what happened that night? I saw the plots of CNN's audience. Oh, yeah, you've seen that. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. matches the world event. They hate that graph because they'd like to figure out how to fill the gaps. Because it's always I mean, when there isn't a war. Yeah. yeah. They either manufacture wars or, you know, mm -hmm. Anderson, what's going on, Ann? Come on. Right. Talk to me. So anyway, that night, if you really want to know how CNN won that night, it was technology. It was a young producer by the name of Eason Jordan who had the foresight to buy a dedicated line, audio line into Baghdad, back to Jordan. And that is the only reason CNN was on the map was because of that one line. Nobody else had done that. Nobody else guaranteed transmission. Most people think, well, I watched that on TV. Actually, you didn't watch that on TV that night. It was all audio. It was just a phone call. Later, you saw the footage coming. We had the boys from Baghdad, mm -hmm. Peter Arnett, John Holloman. The late and, John Holloman. Yeah, the late John Holloman and Bernard Shaw. And most people don't remember who was there, or whether they saw it on TV or heard it, but they just know that it happened. So that was a long way of saying that CNN has always had at its core embracing technology to get the story done. So while I was there, I was schooled in a lot of this by some of the best in the business who were always looking at new different ways to get signals back from remote places. And as time went on, those big live trucks were shrinking. Pretty soon it was, you know, a suitcase, and pretty soon it was a Mac attached to a phone, and it's getting to be Dick Tracy time pretty quickly, right? And I know as a comic book hero, you understand what I'm talking Only about. Only of late yeah. <laughs> have I been in a Superman comic, yes. <laughs> so when I was summarily dismissed along with the rest of the science and technology unit, because after all, what do we know about the Kardashians, right? So the entire unit disbanded from CNN, gone, we pink-slipped. I was really crestfallen because I thought, certainly it's bad for me, but I figured I'd figure out some way to make a living. But really, I actually do care about making people understand how important all this is that I cover. I really do. It means a lot to me, and I think it's so important for our nation and everything else. So I, I was really upset about that. And then I realized, I don't need no stinking truck. I don't need no Time Warner Center. I don't need all that stuff. When you got fired at just the right time. I did. <laughs> Technology is waiting for you to be your own one-man news band. Uh, you know, remember way back when on Saturday Night Live with Al Franken, he had the satellite hat? Yeah, remember that? It's classic. Anyway, so I was fired. And frankly, I just did not want to miss a shuttle launch. That's what it boiled down to. So I called my friends at Space Flight Now, Stephen Young, and I said, do you have an uh, internet connection? Space Flight Now, the internet site yeah, that tracks every great, single launch. Right, they have a great space nerds love this site. And I say space nerd as being one of them. I don't say that as a pejorative at all. On and this show, nerd is a compliment, yeah, a badge yeah, of honor. Thank yeah, you. Okay. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> anyway, so I said, I mean, what's your internet connection like there? I'll bring down my Mac and a DV camera, and we'll just stream out coverage. And that way I won't miss a launch. So we started doing this, and it got progressively a little more complicated. We do a three-camera shoot. But basically, we were doing it for the cost of the travel down to Florida and the T1 line to the Cape, to the launch pad 39 it was no money at all. Toward the end, we did seven or eight launches this way. And we would do six, eight-hour length webcasts. You were on them. It was great for a guy like me who loves space to have six or eight hours to just keep talking. And, everybody's there. And they're all there, and they all come in. And, and we all and, love you, so we'll talk a couple of minutes out with you. And, and you know, people were tweeting back questions. It was fantastic. And toward the end, we were getting a couple, 300,000 people watching the world over. Now, it's not a huge thing, but we weren't spending any money. We were just there with our little Mac. And so I realized suddenly that we are in the boutique age of journalism. 
I mean, if CNN is the department store or the Walmart, and think about what that does to quality, there is room for a Madison Avenue boutique still, right? For people who care about things that are specific to them, and they will seek you out. They will find, They'll find you. you. They will you build find it. They will come. And you have learned this by the way you tweet, by the way you use all the tools out there. You really can do it on your own. I used to think, well, it's just going to be this group of already interested folk. But the truth is, that shows you have no appreciation for what social networking is all about. There is an exponential nature to it that is just infused in it. And yes, you might have this core that begins with you, but inevitably, it gets bigger. You've probably seen this study. Pew did a survey. They asked people, what's the thing you care most about that you see the least of in the mainstream media? Answer, science. Science. So you and I know that there's an audience out there. The mainstream media has decided, for whatever reason, they're scared of it, it's too complicated, it's too expensive to cover it, I can just throw people in here in a studio and have them yap about the election, whatever. Maybe they're still burned from their science classes. Could be. You were never wounded because you never had science. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that there is much work to be done, admittedly, but there are avenues for those of us who care about this to share our knowledge and passion and interest that lead me to believe not all is lost. All right, so he's liking the technology. Yeah. But we've both seen technology taken a little too far. Yeah, it can, th- it can go awry. <laughs> you know, I, I saw one, was it CNN, where they had a hologram? Of yes, an, Wolf Blitzer's hologram, uh, which now is not just Wolf Blitzer using the hologram. Every, is everybody? Uh, not everybody, but they're like, you know, they're using it for specific stories. So but, if I remember the story correctly, in 2008, during the presidential elect, election returns, mm-hmm. Wolf Blitzer brought in via hologram Jessica Yellen, right. a reporter, And we see her floating in the middle of the space. So apparently it wasn't an actual physics hologram because he would have seen it. It was only, it was put into that space for we, the viewers. Correct. And she was three-dimensionally photographed, imaged, teleported, put here on our screen. But why does anyone want to see all sides of a reporter? <laughs> right, exactly. I, I don't get I don't like, Who cares? Get who needs a three-dimensional reporter I, I, I in just, a two-dimensional medium? I, <laughs> that makes no sense whatsoever. You could just have her pirouette while she's speaking, exactly. and you get the three all sides of her. Uh, right. No, I, I didn't understand that. Maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe we should applaud it for the experiment. Because yes. you got to step in new places to see what works. Maybe but that's see, what... the, the experiment would be I'm sitting in my living room and Wolf Blitzer shows up in my living room <laughs> as a hologram. That's cool. But, you know, watching it on t- watching, watching a, hologram, a 3D hologram on your 2D That's stupid. I'm sorry. Projector. And the fact that she kept saying, Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope, really got on my nerves. It just. Star Wars Episode Four. Exactly. Right. Absolutely. Right, right. So, yeah, so technology, it can always be overused, and I think you need time to have it sort out. Do you remember when CDs first came out? Yes. Okay. It could capture so many different channels of music with such accuracy, the early CDs went overboard. And they just piled on all instruments and all, and they had the stereo running back and forth, ear to ear, and they were- They called it overproducing. Oh, oh, there's a phrase for it. Okay, yeah. It was overproduced. And then maybe you had to go there to feel out the space and then pull back on it, you know? And so what you really need the technology for is if you're going to go to Mars, and like like he said in in the first of these two interviews with Miles O'Brien, he he wants to report back from Mars. Then you're going to need some technology, right? Yes. (laughs) And a breathing. Apparatus. <laughs> not to mention a Motel Six or something along those lines, because I hear there's not a lot up there. Yeah, you'd have to like terraform Mars first exactly. or something. And so, uh, so no, technology is good, and uh, if you can get news faster, but maybe you don't need any more technology now that we have Twitter, because somebody's eyewitnessing every news event in the world. I was just about to say that you being a uh, a big presence on Twitter. I mean, you know, we had the whole Arab Spring, and it happened pretty much on Twitter. It happened on Twitter, and there's nothing a reporter's going to tell me that I, is not that's better information than people actually living it, right? And and in and, real time, in real time. What else, what are you going to do to that story that's going to improve it? That, right, exactly. Right, right, right. And it happens when when there's earthquakes, you get instant. Accurate reporting on wh- when people felt it, what time it happened, mm-hmm. and each tweet is di- is time stamped. Exactly, right? so you know exactly when it happened, how it happened, where it happened, and then I am happy that I'm here <laughs> and, and alive. Sending out the tweet in the first place. When we come back, more of my interview with science journalist Miles O'Brien.
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Star Talk Radio, Neil deGrasse Tyson here, Chuck Nice, sitting across from me. Hello. We're in studio, New York City, and we're slotting clips from my interview with Miles O'Brien, science journalist extraordinaire, and I had caught up with him in Washington to get this interview, and we t- we've been talking about everything. Uh, I mean, he, he's, he's been around long enough. Yeah. He's got a story about everything, and I, had to, I finally had to ask him about, you know, nowadays, news, there are news sources that are just aggregators, right? They don't actually have rep- their own reporters. They just pick and choose. True. That's an interesting, you know, I mean, Huffington yeah, Post is largely that. Right. right? And, and, and Drudge, a Drudge Report. The, the Drudge Report, uh, yeah. And so what would happen if everybody were an aggregator? Then no one would actually be getting any news. <laughs> They'd be aggregating each other's exactly. aggregations. I don't, but let's see what Miles' re- re- reaction is to this. Well, that's, somebody's going to have to go to the city council meeting, right? I mean, somebody's got to show up for the launch. Somebody's got to be there. I mean, we can aggregate all we want, but we're running out of actual primary news gathering instruments here, right? And then it gets repeated that many times because it only has one source, and then yes. everyone thinks it's that much more true. Yes. Because it shows up in more places. Yes, and you can be reading in the midst of Hurricane Sandy, making stuff up from whole cloth about the stock exchange being flooded, and it gets on TV because this is where it's all come to. We don't have reporters there anymore. <laughs> We don't bother with that. (laughs) Silly. We can just read the tweets. So, yes, it's a big problem. However, when you think about journalism, you can almost always say the goals of true journalism will be an anathema, dare I say, mutually exclusive to the, the goals of corporate America. There will always be a conflict there because if journalism's job is to poke questions at the status quo in the establishment, what is corporate America, but the ultimate embodiment of the establishment. So there was a time when the networks, there were three of them, right? And they had the Fairness Doctrine, and they were worried about the FCC, and news was a lost leader. And they had unlimited budgets, and the ability to give us people like Cronkite and Murrow and great television journalism. And have bureaus in all these cities around the world. There was not a money motive. And then... Things changed. The fairness doctrine went away. The cable began. There was much more competition. Suddenly, the news divisions had to 
be entertainment. Well, they had to make money, so therefore they had to be entertainment, right? They had to make their own way. And that was the beginning of the end for serious journalism, in my view. And if you really look at it, there are two kinds of truly successful journalistic endeavors. There are family-owned enterprises, the Times, newspapers, the few that are left, that are run by families in communities. This is actually how Ted viewed CNN. There was an element of cocktail party braggadociousness that goes into this, right? You want to be the upstanding citizen and the pillar of the community and whatever the case may be. You're not in it just to make a buck, right? Then there are the outright nonprofits now, like the Pointer Institute, which runs the Tampa Bay Times in Florida, or places like ProPublica or the Center for Public Integrity that are actually doing true journalism funded out of the goodness of people's hearts. That's where the journalism lies. When you get into corporate ownership, of big chains of newspapers and TV, you don't see a lot of good journalism. You really don't. And I don't think that's a coincidence. And all the three networks are owned by corporate interest, right? That's correct. So ABC is Disney. Right. Right. NBC is GE. Now Comcast. Or Comcast, okay. Yeah, and well, GE, Comcast, whatever they are. CBS is what? Well, CBS is Viacom. So there is hope for journalism. It's just journalism doesn't fit well into the corporate business model. And so maybe we're evolving. We're in the middle but you don't believe in evolution, right? (laughs) Maybe we've had some intelligent design into a new era where journalism is bastion of these entities who, going back to that, it fits in with my boutique idea. Yeah, boutique journalism. Journalists not... I mean, imagine a story comes up that is really bad for Disney. Mm -hmm. What will ABC do with that story? You wonder. I got a feeling that um, uh, Mickey is not talking about it. <laughs> Mickey's it's, Mickey's it's silence. <laughs> Mickey's uh, not been available for, uh, for uh, comment uh, on the story. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey's not available for comment. You know, no comment. On a few years ago, Peter Jennings did a round the world New Year's Eve program okay. where they had reporters in every time zone, which right. I thought was a, it was cute. It was a little slow, but I applaud the experiment. And they invited me in right at the time that scientists at the South Pole moved the location of the pole. Um, okay. and, and that freaked people out. So what, what's going on with Earth's rotation? <laughs> Someone had, I had to explain that there are glaciers moving and this pole that's stuck in ice is moving with the moving glacier. So, so you have to realign it to the actual rotation axis of the Earth. But fine. But in there, he, Peter Jens, he's smooth. And he says, um, I wonder how they're celebrating uh, New Year's Eve in Disney World. Let's check it out there. And so it's a, Disney World is an icon of America. Of course. We're going to base, but I thought, why didn't he go to Universal? What? And then I was reminded, oh, my, oh exactly. Disney owns, owns ABC. ABC so. But I'm thinking I was duped by that little smooth move of his. He should have said, oh, by the way, they own us, so we have to go there. Right. <laughs> <nowhere> else <laughs> to tell this story. You know, I was, I was taken in at that brief second, thinking that there was something honestly genuine about going to Disney World for that, for that story. But yeah, I mean, and, and that's uh, who cares about a New Year's Eve? We're talking about real stories right. and what, what's the future of news if corporations are going to own. But more of my interview with Miles O'Brien, science reporter extraordinaire, when we get back. Star Talk Radio, Tyson here. Nice on the other side of the table. That is correct. Chuck Nice, they call him. <laughs> <laughs> that was very fun. I'm nice. Mike. Chuck, Chuck nice. nice. Chuck Nice. <laughs> I like my chicken baked, not fried. <laughs> 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 So, <laughs> what's the Because if you weren't black, I'd be like, why's it gotta be chicken? <laughs> why's it gotta be chicken? <laughs> All right. Okay. So, so here's the thing. When you when how soon do you know when you want to be a reporter? That's a you know how do when does that happen? Right. I I ask myself, and I, of course I ask that of Miles O'Brien. And I wonder for you, when did you know you wanted to be a comedian? Was it the teacher saying, "What are you a comedian"? Yeah. <laughs> You got it. I pretty much every comedian I think has that same experience. It's the same experience. It's, so what great that happened in like elementary school. Elementary right? school when you get in trouble for trying to be funny. That's and but And yet, that's counted as something bad. Right. Not that you can make a, a boatload of money doing that later on in no, life. No, it's just awful and it just gets your life into complete uh peril. But you're like, I can't wait to do this again. <laughs> 
That's when you know. That's when you know you're onto something. You're onto something. All right, all right. So you knew early. Let's find out about Miles. How soon he knew he wanted to. How early he wanted to know he would be a journalist. I remember wanting to be a reporter. You know, just watching the old Al Primo style eyewitness newscasts in Detroit in the 70s and just thinking that was the coolest possible job. But at that time in Detroit, not knowing anybody who ever did it, assumed it was out of reach because I couldn't even go to anybody and say, how do you do that? Those people could have come in from another planet. Plus, who knows anyone who's a reporter? That's not a common trade when you it, think about it. It isn't a common trade. And especially when you're in Detroit in an you know, automobile town, it's not a town that celebrates the media, right? So I didn't see it as a job. So I went to school at Georgetown majored in history because I found that of interest. I was always on the newspaper, photography, you know, news editor, all those things interested me and I gravitated toward them. But I always thought this is way too much fun to be a job. And so I never <laughs> saw myself doing that until it sort of got to the end of the line at Georgetown. I thought, what the heck am I going to do? And I took an internship at NBC. NBC DC yeah. in Washington. In Washington at WRC and, and NBC. And I walked in that newsroom and I just knew immediately I was home. You know, it was just like, this is the coolest place ever. These people are having a ball doing Everybody's it. Everybody's busy and they're, they're enjoying busy it. And they're getting a paycheck. I was like, I can do this. And suddenly <laughs> it all clicked and I just never turned back. So it's a drug. Yeah. That's uh, absolutely. They're in there. It's fast paced. I and mean, we all saw the movie, Net, uh, what was it? Uh, Network News? Network. Or, yeah. Well, not Network, but Network News. Right, Network right. News, right. Or, or Broadcast News. Broadcast. Broadcast there you go. News. There you go. I'm mad as hell. No, that's no, that's Network. Oh, that's Network. Yes, okay. yes, yes. It, it was before your time. I, I was going to say, it. I don't know Broadcast News then. <laughs> you, yeah, no, you know Broadcast. It had uh, Holly Hunter in it and William Hurt. Okay. And I do know. so, yeah, but it, was, it showed the fast paced. Uh, it's highly energized, and they have to be on time, and the, the tape has to be working, and the interview's got to be in place, and the anchor's hair has to be just right, and everything's got to come together. So there's, uh, there's got to be some kind of uh, drug going on, yeah. drug influence. Yeah, that's, uh, but that's a good drug, you know, <laughs> unlike comedy, which is like crack. <laughs> just straight up crack. It's awful. <laughs> so I think the universe is a drug. Really? Yeah, yeah. Is that your personal drug, your drug of choice? It's ecstasy. ecstasy. It's, it's ecstasy? <laughs> I can see. I see you right now with a couple glow sticks just getting high on the universe. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. How much higher than the universe can you possibly get? That's, That's not. True. It is as high as it comes. That's so true. Uh, so what I wonder is, in journalism, if they print something that is not true but people think it's true, how long does it stay how people think it's true is there does it stay that way forever you know for a lot of people it does you know especially if it lines up with what you already oh, believe there's the bias you don't even put in energy to ask if it's not true that's right you just accept it because it already lines up with your beliefs and then at that point if the redaction is made redaction uh uh, uh <laughs> <The> retraction <laughs> retraction or retra redaction yes. well yes so <laughs> Well, I'm looking at it in a in in print form. So, <laughs> but if 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 a retraction is made at that point, you're like, oh well, you don't even hear that. That yeah, doesn't yeah. even register. This is a this is a famous bias that we have. It's a it's a it's a selectivity bias. Right. We remember and pay attention to the things that we already want to be true. And to remember the hits and forget the misses. There you go. That's what it is. You're listening to Star Talk Radio. When we come back, more of my interview with Miles O'Brien, science journalist. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.
At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. We are back on Star Talk Radio. Neil deGrasse Tyson here, your astrophysicist. Can I say that I'm people's personal astrophysicist? I love it when you say that. You like, you like that. Your personal astrophysicist. But what I really want is there be a whole bunch of more astrophysicists and I can just go to Bahamas and not be anybody <laughs> at that point. I just, that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, yeah, it's no good if it's just me. I, I, wanna, I want company. We should get some Neil impersonators. Oh, is that it? Okay. You know what I mean? Like, like they had Elvis, Elvi. Yeah, but what about me would you impersonate? That's what I'm asking. What, the, what do I have ears that stick out? Do I have some weird facial feature? I don't know. No, you don't. But do yeah. I say thank you very much? No, I don't. I don't have any. I don't have. So, so tr- you have you a work very distinctive voice, though. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So you you come back one day and you, you, you we'll try it. We'll try it. Okay. You know they tried it on Saturday Night Live. Oh my God, yeah. I saw yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. I got to say that was. The worst. Oh, you didn't like it? <laughs> that no, was no, the worst. No, how could it be the worst? It was the, it was the only Neil impression there ever was. So how could it be the worst? <laughs> it's, it's, it's not the worst. It's the first. It's the first. Like to get through the first, and then you start comparing. Them, All right, right, I'll give you that. On Saturday Night Live, I was very flattered. That okay, I would be imitated. Uh, back to Miles O'Brien, journalist. Yeah, so you know he he survived CNN and the beginning pink slip there, and he had his little uh, uh, his freelance interval for a while, right. and now he landed on his feet um, at at PBS. And uh, so let's see, uh, let's see how that is going for him to find out. I was available, as we know. You were between jobs. <laughs> between jobs, as they say. I was flailing about. Actually, I was living large. CNN gave me severance. Yeah, I still had the contract. And I was like, "You want to send me home? Got to pay me." Anyway, the news hour was approached by a bunch of funders who said, "We want you to do more science." Well, who do you call? There it is. Science Busters, right here. And what's really interesting is when I was at Georgetown, my first ever taste of television was in that very building at WETA where the PBS News Hour is located. And my boss at the time was Linda Winslow. Now, Linda Winslow is the EP for the News Hour. So I've come completely full circle. EP, executive producer. Executive producer. So there I am back, and it is extraordinary. I mean, here's the thing you work at CNN, CNN is on 24 hours, 365, right? I believe that is all the time we have, right? Pretty much. And yet, they would say, when I came in with a two minute and 30 second piece, we don't have enough time. I'm sorry, you have all the time. And I go into the news hour and I say, I've got a 13 minute script here. And they say, well, can you trim it to 11? And I think to myself, I have died and gone to journalistic heaven. (laughs) Thank God for Big Bird. What would I do without him? Wow. <laughs> yeah. So he goes from people asking why his two minutes shot is, is worth anything to right. can he trim a 13 minute segment to 11, to 11. minutes? So, you know what? That is the beauty of what I call crowdfunded journalism. That's why I listen to uh, NPR. Mm-hmm. You know, not mm-hmm. because they have a particular bent. Well, you don't listen to Star Talk Radio. Well, on, I listen on... to Star Talk all the time. I'm oh. listening to it right now. If <laughs> you're creating, <Yeah. laughs> but you know, the fact is that uh, they don't have to wor- uh, worry about corporate financing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just do what they, they do. What they do. Do what's right, and as they got to do it. Exactly. And you know, I, I'm old enough to remember that the was it NBC uh, local the local news in New York. Mm-hmm. All right, they, you know, they give their half hour news before the the evening news. Mm-hmm. They said we're going to go to an hour, and people said, <gasps> "Right, you can, that's that's uh, how do you do? That? How do you do that? That's, oh my god, what are you going to talk about for a whole hour? <laughs> how could you do an hour's worth of news? An hour's worth of news before the news? You're going to do an hour's worth of right. news? And they said something that's well, I thought they were just BSing. They said they said. Uh, if you're wondering how we could fill that hour, actually, we had a hard time finding out what to cut. Wow. 
And I said, no, he's, he's, that can't be right. right. And sure enough, they filled the hour and, you know, the rest is history. Now, yeah, we, now have we have 24 hours. 24 7, 365. Right. Plus leap day. Maybe, <laughs> maybe leap day should be a day without news. <laughs> oh, God, that would be great. <laughs> because it's not, you know, is it, it's not every, it's, it's one day in four years. Four years, right. Just, just give us a break, for goodness sake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's it. 24 hours a day? 24 7. And so, then you look, are they actually filling it with 24-7? If you look at headline news, they're not. They're on a loop. Right. You almost, you, don't you have a gig coming up on headline news? I can't talk about it. Oh, sorry. Top <laughs> secret. Sorry. Okay, we might see you on headline you, you news. May. Okay, sorry. You or may. might not. Very soon. Very <laughs> or soon might not. You might not. But uh, there's a loop going on there, and, and sports center. Same they, thing. Same loop. They go on loops. You know what that is? And so they're not really filling 24-7. No, they're not. And they, you know why? That's the radio model. I, I mean, I don't know if this is what they actually call it, but I remember when I worked in uh, terrestrial radio, um, you know, the- we Terrestrial would, radio, that's old-fashioned radio that doesn't come off a satellite. Thank you, okay, sir. Fine, Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we would say, why can't we play deeper cuts on the album? And they said, well- Deeper no, cuts, you mean more than just the top hit? More than just the top uh-huh. hit. And they would say, nope, you got to play the hits. People only listen for a certain period of time, so you got to play the hits. You can't you can't show them what else this artist might do. Because then they go, won't hear the hits they in, won't hear in the, the hits. time they're tuning in. That's right. Because you got to just while they're in the car. That, that's it. Just while they're at the beach. And that's the news. That's what we're doing now with the news and the information that we have. Okay, so it's awful. So they're lying to say they're twenty four seven coverage. The twenty four seven repeats. Absolutely. When we come back, we're gonna have some special guests to talk about science journalism. Looking forward to it. And its enemies. <laughs> we'll see you in a moment. Chuck, we're back. Yes, we are. Guess who I have in studio? I am very excited I have about this. In flesh, Bill Nye, the science guy. It's so good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> what and happened I, to your voice, I know, Neil? And, 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 I and we have via Skype, uh, by electronic transmission, Elise Andrews. Elise, the curator of IFLSI. Effin freaking loves Effin love science. science. At least, thanks for being on Star Talk again. I, I count both of you as friends of the show. It's not your first time you've you've been on. Or we've chatted with you about us, right? And so, what I wanted to focus on, it, uh, IFLS has tw- nearly twenty million likes. People who follow its content. Bill, your book, Undeniable, is now on the best sell New York Times bestseller. Congratulations on this. Thank you. But the but what but there's a com- there's a denominator here. I want to. P- tease out. Mm-hmm. Bill's book is not simply here's evolution. It's here's evolution to all you people who think it didn't happen. Right. It's it, it's got a target audience in there. And Elise, you've got you've got entries in your in your in your on your Facebook page where the the, the comment thread is like it's it attracts people who just want to attack science. So at least let me start with you. What is what is your take on who these people are, why they're out there and why they're doing it? You're just trying to spread out what, what the, what's going on out there. What, just what's trying going? to drop some knowledge. Just trying to drop some knowledge. That's right. all. Honestly, I have no idea. I think the psychology of these people is very hard to get inside. I personally have never felt the need to write a thousand word comment about why I disagree with an article or why I hate something. So it's, it's hard for me to get into that mindset. But it is it is very bizarre. I, I mean, even on a site like IFLS, which is very expressively and very clearly about science, it's very pro-science, it very usually goes with the scientific consensus, we still have an astonishing amount of people who just don't accept things that are scientific fact, at least according to the sci- the scientific consensus in the world of science. And that's really quite disturbing. You know, all I have to do is post about anything vaguely controversial, and that includes evolution, mm-hmm. climate change, vaccines, GMOs, anything like that. And you'll see comment threads that get to tens of thousands of comments long, or with people getting very, very vicious and very upset about it. It's it's really quite surprising. I mean, I've, I've stopped being surprised after all this time, but there are times when you look at it and think, wow. So what you should try is try try putting a post. Uh, there's such a thing as gravity, and see if people object to that. <laughs> I was right. wondering if people. W- there, there would be. There would they be start people protesting. Would find a way. I gained weight last week. I want to repeal the laws of gravity. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bill, you were in the lion's den uh, debating uh, uh, Ken Ham. Yes. And I call it Ham on Nye. That's what I call that. Uh, and. <laughs> I think I know what you mean. I, <laughs> that was a priceless response. I call it ham on nigh. 
Uh, <laughs> well, it was. But so, so the, you're. It was a, a loss for words, which is unusual for me. <laughs> but it's a, it's a community of people who sort of all in agreement that you don't know what you're talking about. That the Earth is six thousand years old. Right. So right. You, as I say, the guy. Uh, I'm not an expert on the Bible. This isn't my business. Mm-hmm. But he right away goes to the New Testament. But the whole six thousand year old thing, as I understand, the Bible was about the Old Testament. But at least, at least, at least they have this this document that they're basing their belief system on. At, Whereas at least, I and Elise, what do we have? No, 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 no. At least he has a document. At least <laughs> the naysayers on <laughs> your on your heads. site, what do they base? It's a it's a political philosophy then in many cases rather than a religious philosophy. Is that how we split the, the, the kingdom here? A lot of the time it is very politicized, yeah. And I, I find that very strange. Obviously, I'm British and we don't have such a strong divide down party lines on science that you seem to have in America, just from my observation. It seems very strange to me that people feel like they have to deny climate change based on who they're voting for. That That's mm-hmm. very alien to me, but that is what oh, I see very much in the comments. That's because you guys have something um, that we sometimes lack called intelligence and um, <laughs> what? in addition to... <laughs> no, you guys, it just shows Chuck you just that. started a website. Just... You guys have a robot driving around on Mars. Come on. <laughs> that's not, that's not two. Too much. We still have two robots. Yeah, you do. You have, there's two driving around and one stuck in there somewhere. The Chuck is just trying to plug his anti-global warming website funded by Exxon. That's right. right. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That's right. But, but you know, just to talk about all that uh, and Exxon, two things. First of all, the biggest problem that uh, I have with the creationist movement is they have a very strong, uh, complete, thorough curriculum where they try to indoctrinate young people, school kids. Right into this philosophy and they have workbooks and DVDs and curriculum guides and quizzes mm-hmm. that demonstrate there is electricity, there's voltage and amperage and the earth is 6,000 years old. Right. Okay. And so what I will say, at least what keeps the developed world in the game, the UK and the US, is innovation, is new ideas. We, both countries, uh, have no trouble feeding themselves right now. With food, uh, yes. Yeah, with uh-huh. food. But what, uh, what we export now is ideas rather than products. I mean, there are a few products. So if we raise a generation of kids that's not scientifically literate, that is a formula for disaster. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where IFLS really is changing the world. Uh, do you know what your demographics are for IFLS? It is very much mostly young people. That the, the vast majority of our followers are between the ages of 18 and 24. So that bodes wow. well for the future. It sure does. Mm, and yes, are they no. UK or is it USA? Is it? Is it? Do you, do you have mostly, any? It's mostly. I mean, the four big countries we've got. It's, it goes USA, UK, Canada, then Australia. Um, okay. So uh, it is mostly the USA. But then, to be honest, there are a lot of you guys. Mm-hmm. So most of the people on the internet are right in the USA. But it is vaguely proportional per country. It is. It is remarkable. What's the world's most populous country, gentlemen?s China. China. Second most populous. India. India. Third most populous. Russia. United States. United really? States. Did we pass Russia? There you go. Oh, so well, that, it wasn't the Soviet Union, it wasn't, but now right. I guess if it's just Russia, it is, maybe. Even so. Okay. It's a lot of, so that's why there's so many USians on the uh, yeah. IFLSters. Yeah. Unfortunately, Facebook's blocked in China, so I can't reach them. That would, dare I say it, change the world. Wait, wait, you're blocked in China? <laughs> are, are you blocked in China? No, not me specifically. The whole of Facebook. Oh, right. so oh. it's not her. It's kind of Mark Zuckerberg. Not, not, not my page specifically. You can't access Facebook whatsoever in China. Do you know how fast that place would change if you could get Facebook in there? It would. Yeah, seriously. Well, they have their own version, don't they? Yes, they do. Yes, yes. They have their own they, version of Facebook, the or government-sanctioned version, hmm. uh, or Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would that be cool if Tinder got into China? Man, that, <laughs> you guys, I just that got would, a that feeling would, it kind of is. That would bust loose everything. That's what I'm saying, Steve. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, really, you guys, it would change the world if you if people had unlimited access to sex. <laughs> right. No, to anything they wanted to see. Oh, oh, oh okay. But which, then maybe which that's the same thing. Would yeah. be sex. Yeah. <laughs> maybe is the same thing. Yes. But it would change the world, you guys. And so uh, I think it would be a more effective. So at least you're you're doing uh, noble work. Well, uh, so, so the people, these people who argue with the science, are they? Do they look like they're part of an organized group? The way Bill's resistance is. No, I don't see that very often. Occasionally, you do get what does look like a very mobilized task force. Like at the moment, actually, something I've got going on is 
I made a comment about um, animal testing. Okay. Somebody asked me if I supported animal testing or not. And I said, obviously, I do support medical testing on animals. It's unfortunate, but necessary. I look forward to the day when it is no longer necessary. But it, for the moment, it is necessary because okay. it saves lives. And that's obviously important. Mm -hmm. um, that Somebody screenshotted it and it went viral and it got to the top of IMGA or something like that. And... I, and I've had a lot over the last um, over the last few days. I've been tracked. I, I don't know if it's a specific group, but it certainly feels like it. I've had a lot of threats. I've had a lot of really? uh, people organising. I've had dozens and dozens of emails. I've even had people tracking down ex-employers and calling them, hoping to get my contact information, hoping to get my address. It's really kind of frightening. Right. So I'm kind of happy that I'm here in the UK rather than where I usually live because people are crazy. Yeah, people are crazy. But for that particular argument, you just have to tell them that they are welcome to be the test subjects for these uh, <laughs> trials. And that's what I say. No, no, what you do is, no, no, here's what you do. You have the medicines that were tested on animals and medicines that were not tested on animals. And anyone who doesn't want to use the medicine test on it, they, they can buy that. And then... Exactly. Right. Yeah, there it is. And then Good. everybody's Fine. happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't, how about that? What do you think of that, Bill? Uh, I don't think it'll fly, but yeah, you can talk about it because. It, <laughs> and because then the evolution it, people can use the vaccine that was not based on evolution. Uh, and <laughs> would, but they were that simple. Right. Well, that's the great irony. And speaking of which, this is the great irony. When you go to uh, Answers in Genesis Ministry in Kentucky, they have iPhones. They've got yeah. Facebooks. They got Twitter. They're cranked <laughs> right. up to eleven. They got LED lighting, and they don't believe in science. Right. So that's it. They have. They have the most modern technology, and they also handle snakes. <laughs> so. They believe in the part that suits them. Like everybody else, they believe in the parts that suit them. That's everybody's, everybody's the same. So that is our collective challenge going forward. Right. Those who cherry-pick science and those who do not. That's a good way to put it. At least we got to call it, we got to stop it there. Thanks for Skyping in okay. to Star Talk Radio. Thanks for having me. And Bill, thanks for coming in. It's so good to be Chuck, in. always good to have you here. My pleasure. On, we've been listening to Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, as always, bidding you to keep looking up. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.